Praise God. All right, well, let's go ahead and get to the teaching today. And I'm going to teach on, I'm not going to teach exactly, I was thinking and just meditating and praying this week like I always do about what to minister. And I'm going to teach on what I call healthy relationships. And I think this could just be very, very helpful and beneficial um, to all of us. And these things that I'm going to teach you today are things that I uh, regularly uh, am conscious of and apply in my own life. And I think this could just be, because I was thinking about, you know, fathers, and I'm not going to preach just on, you know, what it means to be a dad, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I'm just not teaching on that. As I was thinking, I just wanted to kind of broaden it, you know, and, and that type of thing, and uh, look at this from healthy relationships. So, a couple of things here, and we will start reading in First John chapter 4. Um, I'll probably read a few things before we get to that. And listen, again, this is one of those things, um, I say this sometimes, um, this isn't for your neighbor. If you'll, if you, you know, because that's what we do. We go to church and we think, yeah, boy, I hope Roxanne heard that today. She needs it. You know, that's what we do. Like, you know, too bad so-and-so wasn't there. That could have really helped them. Well, it might help you, you know, just, might, just a thought. But, so, <laughs> okay, no, all right, hallelujah. So, um, and, and today when I do read, I will be reading from the New American Standard, NASB, the New American Standard Bible, which, by the way, is an excellent Bible. It's, it's very, um, I don't know if any of you would have heard of him. There's a gentleman by the name of Dr. James White, and he is a renowned Calvinist theologian, which I don't adhere to Calvinism, but that's not to say he and the other Calvinists don't ha ever have anything good to say. And so he's a Greek and Hebrew scholar. Um, I think he knows... Uh, multiple other languages, and so um, Dr. James, he's a great apologist too, Dr. Dr. White, he has a weekly radio broadcast, but as a apo Christian apologist, he goes and has public formal debates, and he'll debate other Christians about Christian topics, and then he will debate uh, Muslims, and um, the guy is just phenomenal on the, uh, the authority of scripture, and, and um, just so many things um, along those lines. Um, he debates atheists. Um, he debates uh, just more. I've seen him debate Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, uh, do lectures on Islam and um, the fallacies of the Quran and just so many things. And really, I'll tell you, there's a couple of people, if you want to write this down, Dr. J if you do, Dr. James White and another gentleman I've mentioned to you before by the name of doc Dr. Michael Brown. I mean, those are about two of the plainest, James White and Michael Brown, right? I mean, that's not too hard to, <laughs> not like it's, you know... Jehoshaphat Yaslowski or something. It's just James White, Dr. James White, and Dr. Michael Brown. You can find, of course, their regular websites, but you can find a lot of their, their debates and that type of stuff on YouTube. Um, so uh, Dr. White is, is uh, good on the authority of Scripture because these are things we need to think about. Why is, a, why is our Bible trustworthy? Why is it better and more valid than the Quran or any other religious book? And there are legitimate reasons. You know, think about, you guys have all heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? So when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered not terribly long ago, that was a huge, huge, huge breakthrough for Christianity. Because we, we finally had the oldest documents, that we, ancient documents that actually revealed to us that for, for sure, with surety, that our modern English translation of the Old Testament was consistent with the ancient thousands-of-year-old scriptures. 
And so we have reasons, in other words, to believe what we believe. And we can be knowledgeable of these things. Amen? And so there's just uh, that type of stuff. There's a, there is a truth to blind faith, but there's a whole lot of truth to faith based on knowledge. <laughs> Amen? So, all right, hallelujah. Well, enough of that. Praise God. Now, again, a couple of things here. I'm calling this healthy relationships. And um, am I too loud or too quiet here? Am I, I'm trying to hold it down a little bit so I'm not. Okay. Again, just the joys of not having your, you know, you do the best you can here. But all right. Now, check this out. I'm going to do, uh, I don't typically use a lot of notes. I have some notes today, some things, just because I wanted this to be concise and I wanted to communicate it clearly. And uh, so it'd come across pretty clear. Okay, healthy relationships, and we'll just dive right into this thing. Now, healthy relationships in terms of relationship with God, but and that's going to be the foundation of this, but really in, in your relationship with yourself and the people around you, all right? You know, it's, it's a good thing to have positive, healthy relationships, all right? Healthy relationships doesn't always mean that I get along with everybody. That may not be an option. There are some people that just don't want to get along with us. You, me, something, you know what I'm saying? And so we can, we can still take responsibility and handle that in the best possible way. Amen. You know what I'm saying? So, okay. Let me just read some things to you here. Um, check this out. People have, and that's all of us, all right? So this, this applies to all of us and the people around us. People have their own issues. Every person, in other words, has their own uh, issues, insecurities, and problems relating to people. And that, thus, will other people around us, that can keep them, and this is what I'm elaborating on, from relating to us properly. But if someone is a jerk or doesn't like me or is awkward or is dysfunctional, there can be best solutions for me to handle that, okay? Now, sometimes handling a particular relationship, think about this, in a healthy, proper way can be to stop interacting with that person. Can you say amen? Now, now I'm not too big on... Um, we don't view people as hopeless, and we don't view people with contempt, but there can be people so dysfunctional that there can come a point where we have to cut that relationship. You know, and we've all seen it a million and one times, the woman who is with the abusive man. And she's afraid to be alone or something, and so she keeps that relationship intact. Well, best thing to do would be leave that joker, if at all possible, or find a way to do so. Make sense? And there could be a thousand and one scenarios for, th for that to happen, all right? to where someone is dysfunctional. I've had family members in my life that I uh, did the very best that I knew how to do to relate to them, to have healthy, positive, proper relationship with them, and they made it impossible, and there came a point where I just had to kind of draw a line and say, look, I'm going to love you from a distance. If you will quit trying to destroy yourself, me, and everyone else around you, I'll be glad to talk and hang out. You know what I'm saying? We reach, we, we reach out to people as much as we possibly can. Jesus talked about it. Somebody slaps you on the cheek, offer the other one. Well, in that context, he was talking about extending the, the mercy and love of God to reach a lost person. Because very often, when nothing else will reach a person, the love will. 
And the true unconditional agape love of God can melt the hardest of hearts. Amen? And so, and again, that's like in Luke chapter 6, Jesus talked about that, and he talks about it in the book of Matthew. That's both from the sermon, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And so that in particular, the, you know, if he wants your, in the, in the King James, if he wants your coat, give him your cloak also. And, you know, if he says, come with me a mile, go two miles with him. If he smites you on the face, offer the, that particular context is specifically referring to reaching lost people. Just so you know that. That'll help you when you read that, understand that a little better. Okay. Now, <clears throat> check this out. This is super important. And if you can, <laughs> if you can get this one thing, man, you will be like a new person. This will, and you may already have this if you do, praise God. Check this out, though. You are not responsible for other people's issues. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, there is a context to that. If you have a kid that's messed up, yes, love them as much as you know how to. Raise your kids up the best you know how to. But you understand what I'm saying. All right? It might be work people. It might be other family members. It might be friends trying to get back in touch with you from school. or It could be your neighbor. All right? We, you, are not responsible, in that sense, for other people's issues, okay? Now, there's a, a lot of ways that this can play out. Because what happens is, we carry the weight, mentally and emotionally, we carry the weight of other people's dysfunction and other people's issues, as if it's our own, all right? Now, um... Trying to think of an example here. I was uh, I was talking with someone recently, and this person and I uh, were having an interaction with a couple of other people. And the person talking to me, the, these other people may or may not have been kind of upset. It was kind of a weird situation. And so the person on my side here with me, you know, um, wanted to feel maybe kind of awkward or nervous or insecure, not, not because of anything they did, but because of their perception of what these other people may or may not be thinking. Because of their own insecurities, they were reacting or acting out in a certain way. Am I making sense? You guys are looking like I am crazy. Am I speaking Greek here? So this person's insecure. This person has issues, and they voice that. Now, now think about, you know what pride is? Pride, pride is an overcompensation for insecurity. Now, there can't, I'm not talking about a healthy pride. Because you can be proud of, you know, being a good spouse and a good parent and, you know, walking with God and that type of thing. But the unhealthy, boastful, uh, you know, distasteful kind of pride. And so that's an overcompensation for insecurity. So I have to let everybody... Like a peacock, man, i got to strut my stuff and show my colors, you know, and, and prove to everybody else around me how great I am. A secure person doesn't have to do that. Amen. A secure person doesn't have to let it. Because if I'm really secure, just generally speaking, internally in my mental and emotional realm, I don't, I, I don't, what people think about me can't determine how happy I am or how happy I'm not, all right? So it's real easy um, to get caught up in this thing of, well, I wonder what they're thinking about that. I wonder if they're upset. 
Because our minds play insane games. You walk out of a room, you know, and if some, a lot of people have this insecurity or have had it. You walk out of a room, and then you look back, and the people in the room are laughing. I wonder what they said about me. They're talking about me. And it is nothing but in our head. Now, here's the amazing thing. Even if they were, it doesn't matter. That's their issue. That's not your issue. If I'm secure in myself, in who I am as my own person, that doesn't matter. Amen. All right? This kind of stuff can set us free to have joy and peace and stability in our day-to-day life. All right? All right. And again, I got a ton of notes here. I know that's very rare for me, but um, I just wanted to get this stuff communicated properly. It would be too easy to skip over a lot of it. Now, picking up here. And again, this will be right off my notes, and we'll elaborate as we go on. Very often, we, we can't relate to people in a healthy, positive way, not because of, this is the flip side, not because of their issues, but even because of our own issues. Now, again, that would be, that would be an example of, I walk out of the room, the first example of me and this person, and this person was nervous or fearful or wondering, like, what are they thinking? What are they saying? Did we do something? Da, 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 all of that. The other example is I walk out of the room. Somebody was laughing. I wonder if they're talking about me. All right. So this could be our issues or their issues or our issue of carrying their issues. You know what I'm saying? All right. So now, if, if we as individuals can accept the fact that we have issues, because you can't, you can't overcome something that you won't own. Does that make sense? All right. Think about like, now 1 John 1, 9. In the King James, now if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm well satisfied, and I think the, the Greek points it out too. That is a salvation verse. But I do talk to the Lord about my sins. You call it confession if you want. Now to me, that is... That can be a healthy, proper way to own something. Because I can't conquer something if I won't own it. If I'm busy blaming everybody else, then I can't own it. And I'll always have an excuse for why I'm so dysfunctional. If I play the victim, I'll always have a reason. I'll always have an excuse for why it can't get better because it's their fault. And so, you know what I'm saying? So, if, if I can go to the Lord... And have a healthy, this is why it's so important to understand that forgiveness of sins from God to us is a settled issue. That all of our sins, past, present, and future, were dealt with at one time, forgiven forever. Because if I understand that my forgiveness is not in question, I would have no reason to try to hide it from God. Because if I believe that my forgiveness is in question, then... I'm too busy trying to convince myself that I've basically got it all together, and then I can't be honest with myself or God about my sins and my issues and my struggles. Make sense? So a person who believes they're forgiven can freely go to God and say, Lord, I'm struggling with this because my acceptance, my righteousness is never in question. You know what I'm saying? So I'm I'm loved and accepted unconditionally, so why couldn't I be honest with the Lord? Why couldn't I go to him and, and pour out my soul and share my struggles and admit my sins and my failures and my shortcomings? Because he's not going to reject me. There's no reason to not be honest with him. Amen? Hallelujah. And that is powerful. That is absolutely powerful. Now, now think with me here. Everyone, Jordan, are you talking to me? Yes. <laughs> and myself. So, all right. Everyone 
No one is exempt from having insecurities. Every person has their own insecurities in different areas. The biggest insecurity that most people have is admitting and accepting that they have insecurities. That's the hardest one to admit. <laughs> Once you can admit that you have insecurities in general, if you cross that threshold, you're well on your way to overcoming some of your insecurities. Amen? And, and for me, I have found this is how I deal with stuff a lot of times, is if I'm finding myself insecure, it could be about someone's acceptance or rejection of me. It could be about... Um, you know, you go to a new job or you start with a new company and it's your first day there. You know, you can be so nervous and so insecure about it, you know. It would be a first date. It could be, I wonder, does he like me? Does she like me? It could be any number of things. What happens is, and this is the crazy thing, is that in some way our, mind, our, our minds will convince us or try to convince us that somehow other people don't struggle with these things. And they do. People are people everywhere. All people have issues. All people long for acceptance and love. All people have, you know what I'm saying? So all people have fears. It could be any number of things, you know? I, um, you know, I'm 30 years old. I've never seen an alien that I know of. I've never seen a ghost. I've never seen Jason or Freddy in person. I've never seen a zombie, you know? Yesterday, for the first time, and, and I don't, you know, this isn't like, um, but yesterday, I saw a preview for a new movie the first time. It's these kids. It's sort of, it's not exactly, but it reminded you of the Blair Witch Project. Like, they're holding their own camera, and they're recording it. And they sneak into this, like, high school. Just the pre I don't even know the name of the movie. They sneak into this school, and they say, yeah, did you hear that, you know, John Smith was murdered here 30 years ago? Oh, no way. Da, da, da. Yeah, they, stay, he, they say he still haunts this place. Oh, no way. And, these, and then the movie is about, you know, and in the previews, they'll just show a clip of this, you know, dark figure in the background, and then this girl's getting drug around, you know, and by some invisible force and, and all that. Well, t I, I, I saw the previews twice. I'm in here this morning, and it's dark. I get here. I go back here, and they've got a bunch of stuff in the hallway right there. Between this area and that, there's a bunch of stuff, and I see something out of the corner of my eye. And it, for, for that half a second, it scared me, and I thought of that movie. Just... You know, because I'm in a school. <laughs> you know what I, and it wasn't like I, you know, peed on myself or something. But just for that second, out of the corner of my eye, there was something there. You know, and it's, it's not an empty hallway. There's stuff there. Oh my, and then I thought of that movie. You know, but see, we, that's just a goofy light example. But we all deal with stuff. All right? So we all have insecurities. If we can admit the fact, if we can own the fact, and if we can accept the fact that, yes, I have stuff. That's not an excuse to remain dysfunctional, as a matter of fact, not being able to accept that is what promotes remaining dysfunctional. Again, because I can blame everybody else. Not my fault. Not my fault I'm, you know, broke, busted, and disgusted, you know. Kara broke my heart. It's all her fault. Now the world owes me something. It's all their fault. I'm the victim here. You know what I'm saying? You can blame anybody and anything, and, and, and it's true. Again, now, a healthy approach to this is the fact that, yes, I can admit, I can acknowledge that I have been wronged, all of us. I've been hurt. I've been violated. I've been rejected by people when I didn't deserve it, all right? And that's, there's just, that's just the way it is, all right? And so that's a part of the human experience. Unfortunately, you know, we get wronged and this stuff happens. And so those things promote 
and produce and stir up and increase and whatever, stir the pot of issues, insecurity, rejection, fears, etc. Okay? And so, but if we can accept that, that, not that it's okay, but that it does happen and I'm not the only one and it vacuums, but that's just the way it is. And then, once we can stop playing the victim, if we can stop playing the victim, you know what I'm saying? Because if I say I'm, if I remain the victim, I say, this happened to me and I have to stay in this place. This happened to me and I am this way. That's just the way it is. But a healthy, more healthy approach is, yes, this happened to me. It was wrong. There was no justifying it. But I don't have to stay wounded and walk with a limp, so to speak, all my life. I can overcome. Amen. Can you say amen? All right. Let's go on here. Now, once again, being able to admit that I have issues, insecurities, etc., for me, you know, and I'll just, and I share this stuff with you guys often. For me, some of my things, I used to be severely depressed, all right? So that was something in, in my life. Um, fear of people, social anxiety, crowds, that type of thing has always been um, a thing for me. Not so much anymore, thank God. Now, being able to admit that, because I used to think like, because, you, you know, I was a teenage boy and then a young man, and I didn't, you don't go around talking about that. So you, you just think that you're kind of the, the one that's, please pardon my French, the one that's especially screwed up more than everybody else somehow. And that's what our mind and our emotions and the devil want us to think, all right? That I'm beyond repair. Why isn't everybody else having these issues? What's wrong with me? Well, they probably are, many of them. They just don't go around talking about it. So it's important to understand. We don't need to find solace in the fact that, you know, misery loves company, well, my life sucks, but at least theirs does too. It's not like that. It's just saying I'm not the only one. I'm not, I'm not uniquely messed up. <laughs> okay? All right. Praise God. Now, check this out. That is owning, acknowledging, accepting that we, we have insecurities and issues is the first major hurdle to cross. If I can cross that one, I'm well on my way to at least being able to own and deal with my stuff. All right? Now, like Alcoholics Anonymous, when I was in AA, which I don't go anymore, I thank God for AA, uh, one of the, the, the very foundational things is being able to admit that you're an addict or an alcoholic. Because if you can't admit it, you can't own it and deal with it. So that was kind of the same concept here. Now, I already mentioned this, but let me just throw it out here and moving on once again. This is the reason why understanding grace and, and righteousness, righteousness by faith, right standing with God is so important. If you believe your righteousness is based upon your performance, then you can't admit to yourself that you have these issues because you're too busy lying to yourself and everyone else trying to convince everyone and yourself that you've got it all together, but you're not fooling anyone but yourself. I have a family member who has struggled with drug addiction for uh, on and off for years. And, you know, this person will show up at family events sometimes, barely able to talk and walk and their eyes barely open. And would swear that they were as sober as the day is long. Fooling no one but their self. You know what I mean? So this, this can happen. Now, check this out. We're going we're gonna to run through a few examples here. A few examples, and I think most of this will, will, will all be able to see this and relate to these things. A few examples of how fear, insecurity, and man, here's a big one. Codependency. Codependency negatively influences us and our relationships, whether it's our stuff or their stuff, all right? Now, check this out. 
Just a few random examples that I thought of. If there's someone in your life or has been before that you have to always walk on eggshells around. Of course, you don't know anything about that, do you? None of you. <laughs> of course you do, all right? That there's someone you always have to walk on eggshells around. Now, this is an example of how someone else's issues control, dominate, manipulate, or negatively influence the people around them if they allow it to, all right? So we've all been there uh, from time to time, unfortunately. Now, when that happens, the problem with that situation is I'm not free to be myself. I can't be the Jordan, the Kathy, the Ashley that I am. I have to morph into an acceptable version for that person, which is extremely unhealthy, all right? Now, in this scenario, we can't talk or react or do the things just how we normally would do them because we're too afraid of how they'll react if we don't do or say something just right. And we yield. Now, think about that. That's their issue. But because of our own insecurity, we will yield to that person in that situation. Am I make, making sense? So at that point, I put on my mask and be the version that they think I should be just so they won't freak out. Because what? Well, they'll react however if I don't. So at that point, I've decided that I can't be, I'm not secure enough to be my own person. I have to be who they want me to be. All right? So it's their issue, but our insecurity plays along with it and, and goes along with it. Okay? It's a very unhealthy thing. Now, let's look at a few more here. Here's a big one. This is very common. If you or a person, if you can't seem to or you find it very difficult to say no to people. You can't say no to people. So in this situation, think about this. Here's a few examples of how this plays out. If you just can't say no to people, and maybe it's not people, maybe there's just one or two people you can't say no to, all right? But it could just be in general you can't say no or have a very difficult time doing so. Here's, here's some things that will play out because of that. You continually find yourself committing to things that you have absolutely no desire to do, but you couldn't say no. So now your weekend is ruined, or the next six months are committed and ruined because you got to do such and such, or you had plans, but you had to cancel everything because so-and-so, you know, whatever. And it, it's because you can't say no. Now, see, that's our own issue. That's our own insecurity. We can't blame that on someone else, all right? So we have to learn, if I'm secure and healthy, I have to set healthy boundaries in my life. Amen. That guard and protect myself, all right? Now, your insecurity will tell you you're just being selfish. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, and so that I've seen ministers struggle with this. Their insecurities really will cripple their ministry and shrink everything around them to the size and, and way of functioning as, as to their insecurity. So, yeah, so your insecurity will tell you you're just being selfish. Or such and such happened to them. 
Or I did something to them once 27 years ago. So I can't say, so I'm forever trying to make up for what I did to them or what somebody else did to them or whatever, but it's all my own insecurity. I can't say no. Now, this all revolves around acceptance, all right? Our, every human being has a desire to be loved and accepted, whether you know it or not. Well, no, I don't. Well, you know, you, you think about any, any number of reasons why that's not true, um, and there would be a list, you know, a thousand items long, but ju just a desire to have a reciprocal love relationship that we call marriage, a desire to have kids very often. You know what I'm saying? So people at their core, it's, it's a good thing and a necessary thing because God is a God of relationship. And God created man in his own image and likeness. And there's never been a time in all of existence that God was alone. Because God has always been a perfectly unified triune being. Father, Son, and Spirit. All right? Now, check this out. Here's another way the can't say no thing can play out. For example, if there is a... Uh, uh, well... Okay, let me, let me do this one. A person who can't say no can find themselves in relationships, even very bad ones, that they don't want to be in. That sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> you can, women and men can do this, all right? So, you, you know, it, it can you, can, you can, you know, well... She cheats on me. Well, he slaps me around, but it's better than being alone. Or you know what I'm saying? Or I just can't say no to him. He beat me, and I, went, I just couldn't say no. That's an insecure. And I, you know what? I'm, I'm not making light of that. You understand? I'm just saying that can't say no is a terrible insecurity that can drive us and put us in situations that a healthy outlook and percep uh, perception and a healthy self-relationship and attitude would never land me in. Are you out there? Okay. Now, check this out. Here's another way this can play out. For example, and we've all probably had this one at different times, possibly. Let's say there's a group of friends. In the group of friends, there's a person who has a low sense of self-worth. That low sense of self-worth will manifest itself in being the group leader. Now, now you say, what does that mean? Well, just listen. Because being a group leader doesn't automatically mean you have a low sense of self-worth. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying this can happen, and you'll understand what I'm saying here. So, somebody in here is a group leader, and they're thinking, how dare you? No, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that. <laughs> let, let me look at you here. Now, in this situation, the other friends will say something like this. They'll say, well, let's just do what so-and-so wants to do just to keep them happy and shut them up. I don't want to have to hear about it. So so-and-so isn't the leader in, the, in a good sense. It's the sense of they have to have their way. And if we don't, we'll hear about it from now till kingdom come. And so it's better to just do... And, and almost inevitably, the one time the, group, the insecure group leader says, fine, let's just go there. And you do it, you know, the tire will blow on the car. Something bad will happen, and you'll even more never hear the end of it. You know what I mean? But their insecurity will drive them to, to have to be, to them, they think their friends are the fearless leader. When their friends are thinking, oh, if we don't, they won't shut up about it. 
But they, it's their low, they're trying to find their sense of value and self-worth in their perception that their friends esteem them as the fearless leader. Am I making sense? So, you, so it's like, yeah, and it can be in families that way too. You know, it's, everybody's in town, mom and dads are the family reunion for the weekend, and everybody wants to do this, but we know so-and-so want to go do this, and if we don't, we'll, you know, so this can play out in a lot of ways. All right, now, check this out. This example, now think about this. Think, think with me here. This is really interesting. This is an example of the people around that kind of a person yielding to the influence of that person's insecurities. Once again, our own insecurities in that situation will tell us it's better just to go along so we're not the recipient and at the receiving end of their wrath. So we might as well do it. Don't voice your opinion. You could, this could be a work situation. If we don't do the project the way John wants to, then, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and all types of stuff can happen. Now, what happens is we yield to that continuously for any number of reasons. I don't want to have to hear about it. And then we wouldn't, we're adults, we wouldn't put it this way, really, but it's kind of this way. Well, I'd rather still be a part of the group than everybody else go along. and So I'll just shut up and I'll just go along with it, even though I'd rather do such and such. So what's that mean? That means their insecurities touch our insecurity and we're continually doing stuff we don't want to do just to shut them up. So we're unhappy, but, we'd re but at, least, at least we're not at home alone. At least we're with the group doing something, even though we don't like it. At least I'm not alone. So that's, that could be a rejection, a loneliness. You know what? Am I making sense? Okay. So I don't mean to over-dramatize it or anything like that, but I'm just saying that's an example of how that can play out. Here's a big one. We all struggle with this one from time to time throughout our life. Fear of, this is, fear of being alone. All right? So here's how this one can play out in, in some scenarios, how this could play out. We could end up in friendships. We could end up in social gatherings. We could end up in intimate relationships not because we want to be there, and we kind of touched on that a minute ago, but because, well, it's better than being alone. It may not be better than being alone. If he slaps you around and at least you're not alone, you need to go get alone somewhere and get away from that freak. Amen. All right? And not that that's the only. There could be any number of ways, okay? All right. So, praise God. Now, that could happen any number of ways. Let's look at a few more here. Now, This, this type of situation could lead to where, for example, and I'm not saying, look, I'm not, that's kind of one of those things. It's kind of like even men who beat women, as terrible as they did, they're not unrecoverable. So I'm not trying to throw them under the bus any more than you would throw a woman for being a prostitute under the bus. I, am I making sense, though? That is a negative thing that a woman should get away from. Nonetheless, I just want to throw that out there. All right, hallelujah. Now, this could lead to a situation where not only the woman, but even her children can now become recipients of other people's issues. Here's a kid, a little kid, dad or stepdad or boyfriend or whoever is abusive, physically, verbally, emotionally, whatever, mentally abusive, all the above, whatever. And so since mom has an insecurity that she's never dealt with, rejection, can't be alone. She would rather be with a, an abusive man than be alone. So that's his issue, and she subjects herself to it because of her issue, and now these poor little kids become the lightning rods and the recipients of these issues because of 
their issues. Am I making sense? Okay, all right. So that's one way that that can play out. Now, <clears throat> here's another one. Now stick with, we got a few more. I know we're, it's, it's about, it's 1149, so bear with me here. I don't want to stay on the negative the whole time, but man, I'm, I'm running out of time. Here's another one. I'm going to go through two more of these things quickly of how insecurities can influence us. Dishonesty or just lying, all right? Now, how can this play out? Very often, a person, people, we've all struggled with this from time to time, will lie or exaggerate or twist things or kind of leave open-ended implications about something that really isn't true. We didn't say it, but we didn't not say it, that type of thing. Uh, because it, it's easier sometimes, seemingly, to brush over a detail or two Taxes, <clears throat> sorry, taxes, if you didn't catch that. No? Okay, hallelujah. Your, 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 your silence is quite conspicuous. All right, never mind. Look, moving on here. It's easier to brush over a detail or two sometimes, or even just outright twist the whole truth and just lie about the whole thing instead of facing the reactions of the truth. So it's easier to twist, lie, manipulate, a white lie. We wouldn't call it lie. We're Christians. We don't tell lies. We tell white lies. <laughs> we tell little lies, right? So, okay. So, it's a lot easier to do that than just than to have to deal with whatever. This, ha this can happen at work, you know. Instead of facing my manager's wrath, I'll just say, yeah, I took care of it. Take care of it when I get home tonight. Whatever. It could be any number of things, okay? And so, that's a character defect in the, in, in the area of our personal integrity to where I would, rather, I would rather misrepresent, malign, twist, pervert the truth or their perception of it so as to save my own feelings. Because if not, I'll have to hear about it. If I, if I don't, boss might fire me. Wifey is going to go off if I tell her I forgot it. That a, any num you know what I'm saying? So, but again, now think about this. This is why in personal integrity and character development is so important because if I'm developed in, number, think about this, just basing on stuff we've, we've said. If I'm insecure in, in the area to where I can't say no, I commit to things I don't want to do. The very thought of it starts producing negative thoughts, feelings, and emotions within me. So instead of going and doing what I said I would do, I have to do it. Well, I have to do it because I didn't want to do it. But because of my insecurity, I couldn't say no. So now I can't say no, and I'm going to go lie to them and tell them that I did it when I really only half did it. So I mean, you understand? These, these are these things playing. Instead of being, having enough integrity to say, look, Jerry, I didn't do it. We'll twist it. Oh, yeah, I'm working on it. You're not working on it. You've been taking a nap or whatever. You know what I'm, I don't think this one's hitting home because you guys are looking at me like, Talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to all of us because we all struggle with this from time to time, okay? Now, so, so that's very common. So it's better to learn to just face the music if you have to. It really is. It's better to just face the music, be honest. Because lie, think about this. Telling a lie, I don't know how to say this. It can not only affect them, but it, I'm actually punish, damaging or punishing or Working against myself. 
All right? So, so, so being just a person of dishonesty is destructive and damaging to your own person, your own soul. Here's the last one I'm going to touch on this. All right? Gossip. <laughs> Gossip. Now think about this. And we all struggle with this one sometimes. Or have. If I have a low self-worth, then more than likely, gossiping about other people is a regular part of my life. All right? If I have a low self-worth, gossiping about people is more than likely a fairly regular, regular occurrence in my own life. All right? When we gossip, even if what we're saying is factually true, stick with me. When we gossip, here's what we're doing. We do so because making someone else look bad makes me feel as if I look better. So if I go to Jerry and I start painting a negative picture of Roxanne for no reason, I will do so, and it's almost like, it's like a person who smokes. And you've seen these commercials where the guy's trying to hang out in his house, and then there's a little miniature version of him or something that, like, will grab him and start dragging him out of the house. Or put a hook in his mouth and drag him out. He's wanting to say no. He's trying to, but he can't. And the commercial, the point of the commercial is this thing controls you and dominates you. Well, it's sort of like that with gossip. With my insecurities, I can't not slander Jerry in front of, in front of Kathy. Because I so need to make myself look good in front of her that if I have to run somebody else down to do it, that's what I'll do. Knowing what I'm doing the whole time, but having not dealt with that thing, I can't overcome it. And I'm doing something that I don't even like doing. There is no other reason to gossip about a person except you have low self-worth. There is no reason for it. And we all do it. I've done it. I'm not, I'm not slapping you around. I think you guys know me better than that. This is something we all struggle with. All right? Now, if I'm willing to paint a person in a negative light, a person whom Jesus died for, if I'm willing to paint them in a negative light, it's for about a couple of reasons. I hate them. And I'm extremely insecure. Jordan, I don't like that. I don't either. But this is how I preach to myself every day. This is how I remind myself every day. There, there is no justification for slandering people. Well, Jordan, what if it's true? Well, that opens up a whole new can of worms. You can be saying things that are factually true and still be slandering that person and still be speaking in gossip. Taking it out of context and exposing it or using it where it has no business being exposed or used or said, even if it's factually true, this comes to the thing of being in touch with your own heart and your own motives and that kind of thing, all right? Now, again, none of this has anything to do with God's acceptance of us. Jesus loved us while we were yet sinners, died for us while we were yet sinners. How much more is he not going to kick us aside now? So this has nothing to do. This has to do with me growing in the love of God. Now, think about this. A born-again person will never be able to get away from the, from the uh, I don't want to say drive. There will always be something in you uh, propelling you to love people. And you may not even know that's what it is. But 
But if you, if you gossip about someone and you know that's what you did and you feel bad about it, that's your new nature propelling you to love. You just think you feel bad or that you would say the Holy Spirit's convicting you. It's just your new nature saying, that's not us. We're a love creation, not a, not a slander, hate creation. Are you out there? So anything that I've shared with you today as we get ready to close here, these are, this is how I preach to myself every day, so to speak. This is how I internally relate. Um, Kara has commented to me several times over the years about certain areas. I'm like everybody else, but certain areas where I'm, where I'm a little more developed and secure in some of these things. Uh, just my own, as some of you are in certain areas. And so just areas where I am, this is what I do. Because if a situation, it's amazing. You can find yourself in situations. Now think about this. Like if you get blamed for something, and someone is at work, at church, in the family, and someone is spread to your friends, spreading stuff about you. Now, and you know they're lying. Now think about this is This is how bizarre this stuff is. You know that you didn't do what they said you did. You know they're telling everybody that you did it. Three people have texted you. Two people messaged you. Your mom called you. and You know what I'm saying? And the neighbors are looking at you funny now. And so-and-so saw you the other day, and they went and talked to you. So you know that so-and-so is telling everybody that you did such and such. You know for a fact that you're not that kind of person and that you did not do that, nor would you ever do that. My own insecurity is the thing that makes me nervous and fearful and having, oh my gosh, what are they all thinking about? I can't believe they're spreading that. Da, 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 da. If you're secure, it doesn't matter what their perception is. And that, that's where it really, and that, folks, is freedom. But I didn't do it. Well, security says I don't have to prove it. Yes, there's nothing wrong with putting the truth out there and defending yourself. Say, no, I didn't do that. That's crazy. But what if they don't believe you? That's their problem. That's not your problem. Amen? So insecurity will make a person who's done nothing wrong, who even did a right thing, because this happens a lot of times. As a parent, as a Christian who's trying to recover a person who's on a destructive path, that person's so dysfunctional, whatever, they lash, because of their own issues, they lash out at the very person who tries to rescue them. And then, they, you know what? It's just their own stuff. And so the one who's trying to, you're the only one that even reached out to help them. And now they're blaming you and lying on you and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Own, our own insecurity is what makes us start feeling nervous and uh, anxious. And what are they thinking? And what did they say? And what's... Tom think about that? And what's Stacy think about it? And I can't believe, I know she told her, oh my gosh, I need to, it's, it's, you understand? You feel nervous, you feel anxious, you feel insecure, you didn't even do anything. But our own insecurities will drive us down those areas. Does that make sense today? I feel like we just got started, and it is 12 o'clock, and I'm just, it's Father's Day, I'm not going to go over here, so we'll just get ready to start. i got a lot more I want to cover. I know I told you to first turn to First John 4, and I know I never turn, uh, read anything from it. Um, <laughs> went to church and didn't read a scripture. Oh, there's one. <laughs> For where two or three gather in my name, I am with them. We read one. Okay. So, but just, just hopefully we'll elaborate, yeah, elaborate a little more on this. But I want you to see, none of us are exempt from this. So you don't have to feel like a 
three-legged freak, okay? You don't have to feel like I'm the only one that struggles with things. You also don't need to lie to yourself and say you don't struggle with these things in certain areas. I know all of these aren't directly applicable to all of us. I understand that. But we all have stuff is the point. And I tried to go through several examples today. And really the foundation of this, and we'll get more into this, is the love of God. And I'm telling you, it's the love of God is what can bring wholeness and self-worth to a person. If my self-worth is intact, I can't yield to slandering Jerry. If my self-worth is intact, I can't lie to Kathy. When I to- and, and You know what I'm saying? If my self-worth is intact, I don't have to do things, not do things, try to cover things up, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, to try to feel better or to present self as better. If I'm intact and I understand God's love for me. And see, this is the key, man. The love of God, the unconditional love of God is absolutely key in character development and overcoming sin. All right? When a person believes that God loves them unconditionally and will never reject them in the middle of their sin, that is where the very power to overcome sin comes from. It's phenomenal, man. I mean, God has set this thing up so good, you know? So, all right. Well, as always, if I don't stop, I won't stop. So I'm going to stop. All right? Why don't you guys stand up as we dismiss here?